Trump's Hail Mary to the Supreme Court goes for naught. The Electoral College meets today and will vote. The vaccine is being handed out starting today, but some of the decisions on who gets them is a little strange. And also, let's talk a little bit about the whole anti-vaxxer thing, because I've got some interest. I got into a nice little debate with Josie the other night. And California continues to run the race for the stupidest state in the union. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Well, it looks like uh, this whole thing is going to end today. Um, essentially, let's go over what's happened. On December 8th, um, the Texas Attorney General filed a lawsuit against the battleground states. Essentially, the argument was uh, that these states changed their laws through the courts and through uh, non, uh, non-elected politicians to affect the elections during the uh, during this election, that includes uh, mail-in voting, ballot harvesting, things like that. A lot of these states didn't have any of that stuff. Uh, I thought it was actually a pretty decent argument. Um, they basically the Texas Attorney General blamed the um, blamed the COVID nineteen panic, uh, which is what pandemic, which is what these states were using to change these laws in the last minute. So essentially they violated the law and they violated the law and the election got swung because of the violation of the law. Uh, The states included Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, which basically overturned the election. Um, Now, this was a Hail Mary. There's no question. This was very unlikely to pass. Uh, even Ben Sass, who's not a big fan of the president's, called it a PR stunt. But 100 GOP, about 127, I believe, GOP members actually joined in the filing. They supported the filing. And 17 states joined in to the lawsuit. Those states included Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, West Vir- and West Virginia, and eventually Missouri. Um, well, here here's the problem with the lawsuit, and I had to listen to a lot. I thought it was a very clever defense, but here's the problem with the lawsuit. The big problem with the lawsuit is you're basically one state is basically going against the laws of another state and it's actually not up to the states to go back and um, determine something's wrong in that state. So for example, uh, Texas can't point to Pennsylvania and say voters in Pennsylvania were disenfranchised because of the uh, because of bad balloting, because of bad election changes. The idea is that if someone was going to sue to go to the Supreme Court, it would actually have to be through Pennsylvania's voters. The, so a Pennsylvania voter would, who was disenfranchised would actually have to go in and sue. 
Now, the problem with that is then you go through all sorts of courts. You go through a federal court, you go through federal appeals court, you go through the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, then eventually you go right up to the Supreme Court. It takes time. It's not something that's quick. Texas was basically, because this is an interstate conflict, Texas was trying to force the um, this argument in front of the Supreme Court directly. So they would bypass the federal court, the appeals court, and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. This is kind of a hard sell, and I didn't realize this, but this is kind of a hard sell because it's basically one state is trying to perform some sort of juris, some sort of jurisprudence against the victims of another state. It's kind of like if I if somebody hits my dad and he dies or hits my best friend and he dies and then I sue the driver of the car that hits him, I can't do that. That's illegal. It has to be a direct uh, you have to be a direct victim, and that's the whole problem. Uh, the direct victims in this case, according to Texas, is actually the people of Pennsylvania. And the Supreme Court basically said, sorry, we can't do it. I think it was a 7-2 to two ruling, though I think it was a 9-0 that the Supreme Court decided not to even hear the case. Uh, Thomas Justice Thomas and Alito both would not have minded hearing the case. Alito has said that um, he would like to hear the case and even said that on television when he was interviewed. Um, but it wasn't strong enough to actually go against the rest of the to go against the rest of the uh, justices and so the case, is not going to be heard in the Supreme Court. This is a blow to the Trump campaign. There's no question. This is probably going to end it for Donald Trump. He's probably going to he's probably going to lose the electoral college, which we'll talk about in just a second, and uh president-elect Biden will officially be president-elect Biden. Now does that mean that uh Trump has to concede? No, it doesn't mean Trump has to concede. But he is running out of, and he's going to continue to do the legal thing, and he can. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Is contrary to what the media is saying that it's uh, that it's a, a conspiracy and that it's treasonous and all. It's not. He can go all the way up till January 19th and do it. And with Trump's actions in the last two weeks, three weeks, you can tell he's already beginning to uh, tie up some loose ends uh, because he. He will transition out of office if he has to, and that's what it's going to come down to. Um, he was asked this weekend if he was going to attend Joe Biden's inauguration, and he didn't say something, which I, I was a little surprised. I, instead of saying, well, Biden's not getting inaugurated, it's not over yet, he said, I don't know if I'm going to attend inauguration or not. He goes, I, I, I don't know. So Trump is unlike what the media says, Trump is beginning to accept that he's really running out of options here. Now, the Electoral College is starts today, uh, Monday, um, and it's uh, they, they are currently getting together by state. By tonight, they will vote, and for all intents and purposes, it's probably going to be about a 302 to 220 vote for Joe Biden. 
Uh, and, but this is what's going to end up happening, in case you don't know much about the Electoral College. And I had to look some of this stuff up, so I, I don't know that much. I know how it works, but it's going to work a little bit differently now than it does normally, because normally the Electoral College actually all meet up in Washington, D.C., and they actually all discuss it, usually as a big party. But the electors from each state will get together. They're currently doing that now, and they're going to vote their electors based on the popular vote of the state. In most states, the winner will get all of the electors. Now, several states <coughs> do have a split vote. That would be like Nebraska and Maine. And essentially what happens is they will split, split their electors up based on the percentages of the vote. So it's in certain states, Nebraska and Maine, you're actually going to see some votes go to Biden well, depending on it, in this case, most votes in Nebraska are going to go to Biden, while a couple of votes will go to um, uh, will go to uh, Biden, and the reverse will be true in Maine because actually Biden won Maine. Uh, Seventeen states do have something called a faithless voter. What a this is this is an interesting thing because this was something that was really pushed in 2016 that they were hoping that a lot of electors, the left was hoping that a lot of electors would just go become faithless voters and then vote for uh, vote for Hillary Clinton, even though that state voted for uh, Donald Trump. Faithless electors are people that just vote for a different candidate. Now, in most states, there is a penalty for a faithless voter, and it basically means you just lost your electoral power. You're actually suspended from being an elector, and you can never be an elector again. Uh, some states, they don't care. Okay, you want to vote for Trump, that's fine. But for the most part, faithless electors are, are looked down upon, but each state has their own laws when it comes to faithless electors. Uh, Trump vows that he's going to continue on, even if he loses the Electoral College. Unfortunately, I don't think that means much. He can keep doing what he wants. Once the electors vote, uh, it's going to be very very hard to have anything actually uh, get through the courts. Most courts are just going to say, hey, courts really don't want to touch this stuff if they can avoid it. And if you remember in, in 19 or 2000, during the Gore Bush fight, it was, it was over one state and it was over a hundred and some odd votes. So it went to the it it was a contested election but it wasn't as huge as this trump hasn't proven that he can overturn this election by doing whatever counting votes finding fraudulent ballots now does that mean it wasn't a fraudulent election absolutely not it was definitely there was a lot of fraud in this election there was a lot of weird stuff happening in this election no question the problem is you have to overturn 20, 30, 40,000 votes in order to switch that election. And that's very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. You have to, basically, they have to prove that the problems that we have with our voting procedures in these specific states is systemic and not, you know, individual issues. Because systemic is the only way, systemic corruption in the voting systems in these states are really the only way that you can get a vote overturned. And that's going to be very difficult to do. And it, it's, 
it's a lot of the problems with the Texas lawsuit is that the Texas lawsuit, one of the questions the Supreme Court members asked, and this is a good question. If you saw systemic uh, voter fraud or voter irregularities in these states, what took so long to actually sue? And that's a pretty good question. And the Supreme Court was very strong on it. So, and Trump's basically lost, he's won for 48 in his legal arguments. He's only had one victory. It was a small victory. It was eventually overturned. Um, so nothing really looks like it's going to come out of this. So, I, again, if the Electoral College pushes down, yeah, you're probably not going to have a lot of wins here. So it, chances are Joe Biden is going to become president. Now, there's a lot of news this weekend that happened. There's no way I'm getting through it all. I, I've already got tomorrow's podcast set up because there's just so much going on with China, with Hunter Biden. But the other big uh, news is that today, Monday, uh, the first vaccines have been distributed within the United States and actually been given to frontline workers. So that is awesome. On Friday, the FDA approved Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine through the emergency authorization that Donald Trump actually approved. And uh, it was sent out over the weekend. Um, California, basically, these a uh, lot of frontline workers are going to end up with this vaccine first. Uh, each state is actually going to distribute the vaccine differently. <coughs> Today, in New York, the first person, a nurse, actually got the vaccine. It was recorded. This this is a big victory for Donald Trump, and this is going to be something huge that Joe Biden is going to get credit for and going to get the benefits of. Even though Joe Biden shouldn't get credit for any of this, he had nothing to do with it. In fact, not only did he have nothing to do with it, between him and his uh, vice president, Kamala Harris, they basically down-talked, downplayed the actual vaccine. So these guys, they really, I know the media, I know everyone's going to give credit, especially in March of next year when the vaccine, when we've got herd immunity because we've got enough vaccines out. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't get any credit. This is all a Donald Trump thing. Now, with that being said, let's bring up this debate that always seems to be going on. Should we take the vaccine? I was talking to Josie, my fiance, who works for a clinic as a medical assistant. So she's actually right in the middle of this mess. Needless to say, she she really questions whether or not the vaccine is something that's necessary for her. It could end up being a requirement where she works. As a matter of fact, in California, the first phase of the vaccine uh, implementation is frontline medical workers. Now, that doesn't mean she's going to get one next week or this week. It's probably hospitals, critical care units, intensive care units, and things like this. Um, but we did have a nice long talk about it on Saturday night. <coughs> Here's what we came up with. There is a risk versus reward deal. Is the virus more dangerous than taking the vaccine? 
I don't think so. I wouldn't take the vaccine because, not because I'm anti-vaccination. I've had my polio shots. I've had my measles shots. Um, I, I think it's necessary. There are certain diseases you have to get shots for. I get my tetanus shot when I need to, things like that. But <clears throat> polio and the measles are far more dangerous than, let's say, COVID, especially for someone like me. Um, I have a 99.95% chance of survival, or let's just say a 99.8% chance of survival if I actually get it. Anyone young, I'm 52, anyone younger than me actually has a way higher percentage. There have been less than 25 children under the age of 14 that have died of this thing. It, the question is, is it worth putting something into my body compared to just catching the disease? And in this case, I don't think COVID-19 or the China virus or Wuhan flu, whatever you want to talk about it, is dangerous enough for me just to catch it than it would be sticking something in my body. Now, understand something. Understand something. I'm not one who likes medications at all. I don't like vaccines. I don't like medication. I don't take... I have to have one hell of a headache before I'll actually take aspirin. I just don't care for anything that I don't know that's being stuck in my body. Does that mean if COVID-19 were deadly, I wouldn't take it? Damn right I would take it in a second, just like it took polio and all the other uh, vaccinations we needed. I think it is important. Uh, would I tell my 76-year-old father and his 72-year-old wife not to take it? Absolutely not. They, they should take it if they want to take it. It would make me feel better if they took it. The other question uh, we talked about was, has the vaccine been suitably tested? Well, if um, the FDA approves it, and the FDA is the uh, longest, has the most stringent rules on uh, certifying drugs, if the FDA has certified it, I would think, yeah, it probably has been tested pretty well. But the, does that mean it's 100%? Of course not. Nothing is 100%. Some people are going to take this vaccine and they could be allergic to it. And there have been some instances where people have gotten sick and they're not exactly sure why. We don't know. But I doubt companies are going to release a vaccine and it's going to be dangerous because that's going to hurt the company. This is the beauty about having private companies, Moderna and Pfizer, actually come up with these vaccinations is because they're putting their company on the line here. <laughs> Excuse me. And if they create a vaccine that is deadly or dangerous, well, their companies can go straight under. So, no, I think the vaccines are probably safe. I don't have a problem with the vaccine. Um, I also don't think sticking crap into my body unless there's a real reason is necessary. I'll, I'll avoid that. I, you know, like I said, I, I don't even take aspirin if I can avoid it. If my job required me to take a flu shot every year, or excuse me, my job does require me to take a flu shot every year. And I take the flu shot. I hate the flu shot. I don't think it works half the time. The other half, I'm actually getting the flu. Um, I think there's some questions about whether or not this vaccine is going to work depending on the coronavirus itself because some coronaviruses, this coronavirus has been known to mutate. So it's, and 
next year it could actually mutate again. We just don't know. Uh, but considering it's more of a, I have more of a risk dying, driving someplace, than actually dying of COVID. I just don't see the reason. Uh, again, those with pre-existing conditions, those who are older, they should take the vaccine. I, I just don't see a problem with it. We should take the vaccine as much as possible. It, it'll at seventy percent. If the seventy percent of the population is immune to the disease, then uh, we have herd immunity, and we're not really going to have to worry about this too much. But we are in the first year of this virus. We still don't know what's going to happen to this virus next year. It could be just like the flu where it starts changing every time and it starts mutating. And this COVID-19 may be around in 2021, but we may not know, but it has changed. And it's suddenly, I mean, right now there are technically my understanding, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe there are like three different uh, versions of COVID-19. Um, there's the uh, China version, there's a European version. I believe the United States has its own version of the, so it's been mutating. So, but don't be shocked if COVID-19 pops again next year and we take these vaccines and whatever. So we'll have to say, but, uh, but it is a great thing that we have these vaccines. Uh, we can, I, I don't see how we can keep ourselves closed anymore within the next couple of months it's probably going to be enough that we can start opening the economy again if the democrats let us if they follow the science if they follow the statistics we'll have to see what's going to end up happening now one of the most annoying things in the world is how the media will a never give donald trump any credit for this and b they have been fighting this vaccine from day one. They, they, the media had been saying that the vaccine could never be produced by the end of the year. And now we're a month before the end of the year and the vaccine's being given. The media made complete asses out of themselves in just about every way. So NBC actually fact-checked the president when he said earlier this year that the coronavirus vaccine will be out before the end of the year. They said, quote, fact check, coronavirus vaccine could come up this year, Trump says. Experts say he needs a miracle to be right. Well, I guess Trump is a miracle worker. Here's the whole thing. This is why these guys don't get it. Everyone acts like Trump went into the basement and made this thing. He grabbed his little chemistry set and created this vaccine that he said, okay, now we got it. Blah, blah. This was done by the private sector. The private sector, Pfizer, Moderna, these these are individual companies that, when motivated by profit or by wanting a cure, but it is mostly by profit, they will come up with things. The private sector will always succeed when a goal is placed in front of them. And this is a great thing. You know, the, the NBC can sit back and say that, you know, it wasn't, it, it, they can't just sit back and say, well, we were able to, uh, private sector was able, they can't give the private sector any credit. They cannot give President Trump any credit or the Trump administration any, any credit for removing the regulations that, it, that prevented the virus from being created. They cannot give any type of credit where credit is due.
This is the problem with com the communist news media. The communist news media has basically made it out that, oh, well, the private sector sucks, conservative and, and conservatives suck, Trump sucks, um, uh, removal of regulation and small government sucks. This is all that what exactly happened that got this thing created. NPR did the same thing. And NPR just drives me crazy because this is national public radio. Our tax dollars are actually paying for this crap. <coughs> for this crap. NPR said, contradicting the CDC, uh, NPR said that Trump is contradicting the CDC by saying a COVID vaccine could be ready by 2020. And then another NPR article featured a transcript on uh, uh, one of its programs knocking Trump for suggesting that the vaccine would be ready by the end of the year. They quoted somebody named CDC Director Robert Redfield before the Senate panel that month in which he said the vaccine would not be ready until the summer of 2021. So, and CNBC said something else again. President Trump says COVID-19 vaccine will be coming by the end of the year, despite contrary evidence. They said this after Trump said in September or October that it would be ready. And I got news for you. President Trump's the president of the United States. He probably very well knew it. But you notice something. Who are these people actually commenting on? Who are they commenting? For example, CDC director Robert Redfield. What's the CDC? The CDC is a government entity. Who is Robert Redfield? He's a bureaucrat. He's not inventing anything. He's not doing anything. Pfizer? Pfizer sat back and said, no, we'll have one. We'll have one. And do you think President Trump, the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the free world, isn't going to know something that the media doesn't know? Well, no, he does. And the media just doesn't listen. This is going to be a huge victory for President Trump. This is going to go down in history as a major moment. Now, the media... And, and these fake historians are going to make it that Joe Biden somehow got credit for this. But in 20 years from now, when we actually look at the presidents, when we're looking back at a president after Trump is gone and everything, Trump is, this is going to be considered a huge, huge victory for President Trump. And he's going to be considered one of the most innovative presidents in history. Innovative. Innovative. That's not even talking about, uh, it's how to get things done. It's not even going to be about his economic policies, his foreign policies, which were nothing but victories. I think that's the hardest pill to swallow when it comes to Joe Biden, is that this guy is getting credit. He's become president. He's been in, he's been 50 years he's been in politics and has done nothing in 50 years and somehow... 180,000 million people in the country think, well, theoretically, because he's probably given that, 180 million people think that this guy would be a better president. 50 years in politics, done nothing. And meanwhile, in four years, President Trump has done more in worse circumstances. So, last story. Frickin' California. <laughs> the, Los, the Los Angeles Times reports that um, there has been a 
lawsuit filed in April by the American Civil Liberties Union against the Orange County Sheriff Don Barnes, seeking the release of medically vulnerable and disabled inmates in jails and prisons, as well as necessary measures to protect those remaining in the jails from the coronavirus. According to Judge Peter Wilson in Orange County, quote, the uncontested facts found here include the conditions in the jail do not permit proper social distancing. There is no mandatory testing of all staff or asymptomatic detainees after intake, no strictly enforced policy of requiring masks for all staff and interaction. So what did this guy this guy do? This is what the Los Angeles Times said. The judge ordered Barnes to reduce the population of all con- congregated living areas by 50%, including all dormitory and barrack-style housing and multi-person cells. He also instructed Barnes to provide a release plan by December 31st that lists all medically vulnerable inmates and to identify the measures to protect all people in the category who won't be released or transferred from jail. He ordered Barnes to maintain the reductions until the current COVID-19 emergency is declared terminated and to impose a strict policy for all staff members to wear face masks anytime they are within six feet. What a crock of shit. Basically what this judge is saying to the Orange County Sheriff is that he needs to start releasing inmates, especially those that are susceptible to COVID-19. Sheriff Don Barnes... Uh, basically, sounds like he just can't even believe the ruling. If other stands, if the order stands, it will result in the release of more than 1,800 inmates. Many of these inmates are in pre-trial status for or have been convicted of violent crimes and will be released back into the community. This order puts our community at substantial risk and does not take into account the impact on the victims and the victims of these crimes. This is absolutely correct. This is craziness that this guy just did. Think about, you know, what is happening in Los Angeles this week, last week? The new DA, who's a flat out communist. He his uh he is a flat out communist in Los Angeles, the DA new DA in Los Angeles. Uh, he's a Soros guy. He's actually funded by George Soros. I love having a DA that is funded by some guy who's in another country. That's great. And who is a communist, who hates our constitution, hates our way of life. He made legal driving without a driver's license. He made legal um, uh, prostitution, trespassing, assault, including assaults on a police officer. I mean, there are some things you can't stick a police officer in the chest with a knife, but Assault a police officer is not even a crime in Los Angeles anymore. San Francisco, we already know, breaking in, in entering in, breaking into a car is not illegal. You can sleep on somebody's property if you're homeless. They're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing in Washington State in Portland. It's no longer illegal to commit crimes. And what about the victims? Hey, here's a newsflash. You're in jail, not because you're being rehabilitated. You're in jail for punishment because you did something wrong. 
And I don't understand the concept of uh, someone has committed a violent crime and then is released. In New York, if you, you actually can go to jail for leaving your business opened. But if you decide to commit a crime, like let's say entering the subway without paying or even assault, you can be let go. There are pictures of guys in New York that are smashing windows of cars with baseball bats and the police don't arrest them. It's just incredible. And we go we go a step further and this goes outside of this actually goes outside of uh, COVID because this was a COVID related policy that that's just judge marked on it. And to be honest with you, this judge sounds like he's an activist judge. He just sounds like he's not really he not give, doesn't give a damn about COVID. He's just trying to get the jails emptied out. In Washington, now what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it that an individual's uh, socioeconomic status would determine whether he or she could go to jail. What does that mean? Well, if I'm poor and I steal, I can sit back and say I stole because I needed to sell this thing so that I could get money for bread. This, it's the old uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez way of justice. Of course, businesses up in, in Washington are saying, well, wait a minute, if, if someone is shoplifting, someone's stealing, I'm still out that stuff. How is that not illegal? But they don't want to hear it. So the city council voted on that and they approved it. Now it's going to the governor to sign or the mayor. I'm not sure if it's a city or a state law. But I mean, this is this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Um, I wanted to talk about all this stuff because we can see the COVID nineteen virus really hurt the country, and I don't mean because three hundred thousand people are dead. The COVID nineteen virus has the China virus, the Wuhan flu, whatever you want to call it. It's damaged us in a way that we have changed our way of being and we have allowed now dictators to determine what we're, they're going to do and what they're not going to do. Like Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmar, Andrew Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, Lori Lightfoot, Tom Wheeler. All these people are little dictators and they want things remaining closed. You can tell. One of the things I thought was after this COVID-19, after Joe Biden got elected president, I thought, okay, well, it's over. Uh, COVID-19 will be over. No, it's not over. They're still shutting things down. Bill Gates uh, this weekend sat there and said, oh, I don't think we're going to uh, be able to fully reopen till 2022. The frick is he talking about? Bill Gates is worth $120 billion. That's big freaking talk from him to say that, oh, we've got to be closed for another two years. Of course, Bill Gates doesn't care if the, if the world is shut down because it's not his business that's being affected. It's just, it's absolute insanity. And all these leftist states seem to be celebrating this. You know, Florida's open. Texas is open. They're not closed. Disney World in Florida is open. And people are not getting infected at high rates. Meanwhile, in democratic states like New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Michigan, California, Washington, Oregon, these countries who have been on a constant state of closure, 
keep having these spikes. Why is that happening? Because closing business, shutting down economies does not fix a damn thing. The WHO and the CDC have both said there is no evidence that shutting things down fixes anything. And what's the proof? The increase in, in um, COVID cases in New York. Now, mind you, the death is actually down. But the increase in COVID cases in California, the increase in COVID cases in, in uh, Michigan, if you look at those states, they're spiking again. Florida is not. Alabama is not. North Dakota, South Dakota are not. Texas is not. They've got a little wave, but they are not spiking like New York is. New York has the same spike now than it did back in April. What did Andrew Cuomo fix for his state? What did Bill de Blasio fix in his state? Probably absolutely nothing. Okay. That's it. You can follow me on, on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can follow me on uh, Parlor at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can listen or download this uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com to view my links, any videos or graphics that I might have, and any audios that I might actually have. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>